hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 421. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. How are you doing this week? Uh, you know, I'm doing okay. All right. You? Yeah, I'm, doing, I'm doing all right. No, no, no major complaints. Uh, this week on the show, we'll be reviewing Neil Jordan's 1986 film Mona Lisa. We'll also be going over someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. Uh, new Saved by the 90s. We're going to be recording it this week, so hopefully it will be ready to drop. The end of this week, early next week, we're going to be doing baseball movies yes. this month. So we got some, we got a pretty eclectic lineup of baseball movies. It's not, it's it's a good mix. You know, it's not just mm-hmm. like kids movies. It's not just, you know, it's, it's a good mix. Okay. All right. It's, and it's maybe not ones you would necessarily think either so i'm yeah i'm pretty excited to uh dive into that so stay tuned with that i think we can jump into our review now you might be asking well why the hell are you guys reviewing this movie from 1986 you usually review new movies well last week if you remember we were in our blu-ray section at the end of the show we were talking about mona lisa and because of its release on criterion and kevin here nonchalantly mentions that he watched part of it in passing and he never finished it and that ruffled the feathers of one of our listeners eric eric thank you for writing in this triggered him the fact that you just so flippantly were dismissing mona lisa but it wasn't even that really i don't know was it Eric? Yeah. Say Eric. I don't know how Eric watches movies, but you know, there's times where I start a movie, it doesn't grab me. And in this particular case, it was it wasn't necessarily that. It was more so just uh I stopped it cuz it was time to go to bed cuz I have a lot of stuff going on. And uh I just I just kind of forgot about it. And then that's what sparked it is when I pulled up because I'm in charge of the criterions. I pull up the criterion. I'm like, Mona Lisa. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I started watching that movie. Maybe I should refinish it. I don't know. Maybe not. We'll see. I got stuff I got to do, you know. So when was this like a fairly recent event? I think, uh, yeah, I would say it was it might have been like a week or two before. That uh, episode, okay. All right. You know. I got it. And you just forgot. You forgot that you started a movie uh-huh. and stopped it and then just. Yes. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right. This, this happens. This happens. Another movie, this, uh, like a week or two before that, is Across 110th Street, starring Yafat Koto. Started well, that. See, now that's an interesting one, too, because you're a huge Koto fan. I know. I just I haven't gotten back to that one yet. I hmm. want to. I just, I got stuff. I got stuff oh, I'm man, doing. You, yeah, you know? Busy schedule. Just, you yeah, know? I got so many irons. Chores. In the fire. You got chores. Choring. Oh. You do a lot of choring. Do you, yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. I did so much this weekend. 
Nice. It's just well, that's good. It's good to have a productive life. I think in, in some senses, yeah. We don't want to be, you know, too overwhelmed either. Yeah, it's it's you got to it's a balancing act, really. And that's and that's what it came down to is you know, uh, going back and finishing Mona Lisa from 1986, Neil Jordan. Neil Jordan. I'm not a huge Neil Jordan guy to begin with. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. really only watching this because of Bob Hoskins. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on my priority list, in terms of you know my adult responsibilities, and then finishing Mona Lisa, you know it it it, it was down on the list. Okay, all right. Uh, let's let's take a look at the synopsis here real quick. George is a small time crook just out of prison who discovers his tough guy image is out of date. Reduced to working as a minder slash driver for for high class call girl Simone. He has to agree when she asks him to find a young colleague from her King's Cross days. That's when George's troubles just start. So we'll start it with you, Kevin. My, but my first question is, are you glad that you finished it? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Oh, man. <laughs> yes and no. Sorry, Eric. Yes, in the sense that, you know, it was, it was a good movie. It was an enjoyable enough movie. No, in the sense that I think, although it is a good movie, there's some great performances here, some interesting ideas. Um, if I never saw this in my lifetime, I don't think that, you know, I'd be, I'd be kicking myself in that sense. But also, it's a lot better than a lot of other movies that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just one of those that kind of it, it exists somewhere in the middle you know, of like, oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah, uh, I can I can agree with you on that, and I can definitely see that perspective. I pre- I pretty much I'm pretty much right there with you. I I liked this quite a bit. Didn't love it or anything like that. I think that to your comment on like if you didn't see it, it wouldn't be like you wouldn't be that big of a deal or anything. I somewhat disagree with you on that and then i believe that this is a really great performance by bob hoskins and i think that if you're a fan of bob hoskins that this this should be on your on your hoskins watch list because i think that it is like yeah. one of his best i i could agree i would agree with that i think yeah. that if, if i'm looking at it from that from that standpoint then yeah i also think that michael kane who plays the uh, antagonist in this i think that he does a really great job too and it's it's rare that we see michael kane in that kind of villain role so it was it was cool to see an earlier kane film where he's just a bastard he's just a mean a son of a bitch he's a, he's a bastard i like the overall aesthetic of this i love the sort of 80s grime any movie that that takes place in like grimy cities doesn't matter what city. I'm just I'm down. I'm immediately down for it. There's some interesting choices here. Particularly, there's a montage scene where they play a Genesis song, and yes. it's so yes. weird. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, so it's they're playing the Genesis song, and it's a montage of Bob Hoskins exploring nudie booths and it's just him mm-hmm. going into these like really seedy strip clubs and like just weird uh like porn shops and stuff but it's playing this like really nice 
melodic Genesis song. I can't remember the name of the song, actually. Yeah. Very popular. It's like one of their biggest yes. songs, I think. Uh, I mean, like, I can't remember it now. And I just watched this like a couple of hours it's ago. It's like, I don't, I, what's it called? Like, I know I love you or I think I love you or some. Uh, I'm God. just going to say, yes, it's that. It's one of those two. Is it from the We Can't Dance album? My dad freaking loved this album. Oh, yeah? Your oh, dad is a huge... My dad is a big Genesis fan, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely into the Genesis. Interesting. Anyway, that was a really weird scene. I liked it, but man, it the song didn't work within the context of what was happening on screen. But I thought yeah, that the, I, I, I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, I thought it was it was an odd little detour. I also had some weird problems with Hoskins' character. Like I, I kept trying to pin down who George was and like understand him and just when i think that like oh i kind of get this guy he does something that seems very uncharacteristic and like especially at the end like what he does with simone and i'm just like wait a minute like this guy's kind of a dick too yeah and i think that's that's the really interesting thing for me i really like the way that this character is fleshed out and everything that is happening around him and the way that he's reacting to it. That's what I've really found interesting with this. Because this movie, in a sense, really reminded me a lot of... It just felt like a British version of Taxi Driver. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to mention that, too. It's it's very... Yeah, it's very Taxi Driver-esque. But there's a really interesting thing with Bob Hoskins' character being... Like, if I'm going to go this route, if I'm going to compare him to to Bickle, is that he's in some ways far more delusional than Bickle is. But And that's the thing that I find really, really interesting is that he gets so wrapped up in this, like he's got to save all these these women, these working girls. You know, he's got to save them. And... I think that's the thing at the end is that he kind of snaps where like he's the savior, like he's saving the women. He's fighting back against these guys. It's also kind of like this white savior trope, too, because he's going after Anderson, which a surprise I did not know it was Clark Peters. That was really interesting to find out. And I was kind of bummed that he wasn't featured more. So he's doing all these things that thinks you know, at the end, he should be rewarded for all of this effort, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's where, like, his delusion overtakes him, where, like, he just kind of snaps and becomes essentially just like Anderson, just like Mortwell, but just, you know, kind of a different twist on it. Right. Where- the, 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 like, level of entitlement that he has, especially towards the end... Where he's like, it's almost like he's this kind of weird incel type character. Where he, yeah, he, yeah, he's he, the, he deserves he's the good this. guy. Like I deserve why this. Why don't you? Why don't you women go for good guys? God, he's just so good. <laughs> why can't you understand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a very interesting turn, and like where it goes at the end, just sort of 
doubling down on the whole taxi driver comparison, the the, the level of like violence that gets ramped up mm-hmm. at the end too, which is like very surprising because up until that point, it's a pretty standard drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a headbutt here and there. Maybe someone gets punched yeah, in the face. Nothing, yeah, nothing, nothing gratuitous or anything. But then, then it uh, something happens, and boy, pe- people are getting killed. Oh yeah, and it's like it's like exploding bullets. It seems like, yeah, or just those two had like extremely high blood pressure. <laughs> which could track it just like it was explosive yeah it looked good though it did i mean for it was it was shocking it was it was definitely shocking it it looked good there i don't know there's something about uh, the taxi driver is the same thing where like there's there's some movies back then when they depicted like brutal bloody violence it just looked so much more grisly then mm-hmm. and I think it was just again it had to do with like the griminess, the graininess, the the dirty, you know, buildings and and things like that. I think that it just adds to the realism of of all of it. I loved all the different settings and stuff. And there's a really great scene too. There's this confrontation between Bob Hoskins and, and Michael Caine's characters when they're they're talking, but in the foreground there's these like dancers who are walking by the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, really loved that scene too. I really thoroughly enjoyed the bit of Giallo mm. with the with the elevator. Oh yeah, the way yeah. that that was shot, especially that from inside the elevator. You know the panic where they're kind of trapped, which is just you know you've seen it in like every Giallo movie, and Clark Peters running around with the you know doing the doing the fence thing mm-hmm. and. Uh, but when they when the elevator comes back up and you're shooting it from the elevator across the hall, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, some really great camera work here. And that elevator scene was def- definitely reminiscent of something like Deep Red. And I also just I really liked uh, like the little respites that you get of Bob Hoskins' character with uh, Robbie Coltrane. Oh yeah, I, I could totally have watched just a movie, no stakes whatsoever. Just a buddy comedy. Yeah. Just, these two with Robbie Coltrane with his, you know. Different his businesses. New, <laughs> his different businesses. And them talking about, like, mystery books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that I'd was be great. completely too. on board. Uh, Kathy Tyson plays Simone. Uh, she, she was good in this as well. Uh, she, she, did oh, yeah. really, she did a really great job. I mean, performances across the board were incredible. Oh, yeah. You're not. I mean. These are just, these are all top-notch actors Yeah, doing their thing. Now, um, like you, I'm not a huge Neil Jordan fan either. I haven't seen that many Neil Jordan films, to be honest with you. I've only seen Either. maybe a handful of his. <laughs> I've seen two, according to celebrity. <laughs> but I guess, you know, just looking at the other ones, like the, none of them interest me. I'm just like, no thanks. Not interested. I actually have not seen The Crying Game, to my knowledge. Me either. And that's been on my watch list forever. I'm hoping to cover that and say by the 90s. I know, like, the whole... I know what it's about, obviously, but I want to actually see the movie. In fact, there's this idea I have for an upcoming episode of 
movies that that came out in the 90s that don't hold up by today's like social standards yeah uh, yeah uh-huh. so that's a that's a theme that i'm kind of working with i want to compile movies that were like acceptable like socially acceptable back then but like don't work now because i think that it's like and i know i'm getting off on a major tangent here but i think that it's interesting that you know the 90s like that wasn't that long ago i i feel like things have changed so rapidly over the last just the last few years oh yeah that a lot of these movies that were just like okay and and i i got the idea while i was watching the movie angels in the outfield <laughs> the disney movie <laughs> Because there's just some stuff that happens in that that you're just like, that would not be okay for today. Huh. But anyway, um, yeah, I just, I, I've seen like, according to Letterboxd, four of his movies. Four? So, yeah. Wow. Well, I saw Byzantium. Oh, okay. Which was... Interview with Vampire. Yeah. That was an Anne Rice okay. one. And then the Brave one, which was the Jodie Foster one. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't like that either. Then obviously, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with his biggest movie being Interview with the Vampire, and I'm just, I just, I have no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, if you want to hear us talk about that, we. Oh, cover- I, I've I've heard you talk about it. Yeah, we've covered that on on Saved by the Nineties. I'm not saying you, Kevin. I'm saying listeners. Well, I just want to. I want you to know. Okay. That I did listen to. Ah, okay. Nice. That episode. Great. Uh, I think I enjoyed that episode more than I would enjoy actually watching that movie. Yeah, probably. Well, hopefully. <laughs> uh, anything else to add about Mona Lisa? I think that it definitely gets a recommendation. I'm glad that Eric emailed us um, because this really wasn't something that was on my radar, even with the Criterion release. Like it, it looked fine to me, but again because i'm not yeah. the biggest neil jordan guy i was like i probably wouldn't have seen this otherwise so yeah i mean i just i, I would like to say I'm, I'm sorry that i offended you eric <laughs> if that's what is that what happened there um but like i said yes and no in terms of like returning and finishing this i i guess overall it would be a yes because i feel like if eric wouldn't have sent the email I never would have returned to this and I never would have finished it. And it has been on my watch list for a good number of years because of the Bob Hoskins aspect. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, cool. It worked. It worked out pretty well. And I got to use that, uh, the criterion channel membership that I've been paying for. Well, for there you go. Numerous, numerous years that I use like maybe three times a year. <laughs> It's also on HBO Max too. So if you have HBO Max, but not the Criterion Channel, it's it's on there as well. Oh man, you have options. One second, is it on Tubi? <laughs> I don't yeah, think so. Real quick, you never know, man. You'd be surprised what's on. It's not on Tubi. Sorry. Hmm. All you Tubi lovers. All you Tubi fans. <laughs> Mom, talking about you. <laughs> All right, um, let's go ahead and give it a score. Kevin, we're going to give Mona Lisa out of 10. Ooh, I give Mona Lisa like uh, seven and a half. I'm right there with you. I'm sitting at a seven and a half on this one. Upper end of seven and a half, almost an eight for me. That's where I know her from. 
Because I was just thinking, like, I need to see more Kathy Tyson. Serpent in the Serpent. Rainbow? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew I that's know where, That's where I recognized her from. Yeah. That's a bummer that she hasn't been in more things. I know. She's really good. Not sure what happened there. All right. Let's move on. Talk about someone watching. I uh, think, well, so you didn't have anything last week, so we'll start with you, Kevin. I have one thing this week. Baby steps. Another thing that's been on my watch list for a long time, been waiting for it to become available on streaming, and it finally has, and that's The Fog by John Carpenter. Oh, yeah. 1980. The Fog. A super psyched about watching this one. This is on Amazon Prime, by the way. And uh, for the most part, it didn't disappoint. Um, I really enjoyed this story. I just love the idea of, you know, this this small bay town with its dark history and they're being punished for it. There's a curse on them in the form of a fog that rolls in. And I enjoyed all the shots of the fog, the titular fog, because it's a neon and it's great. It looks wonderful. Just there's so many great location shots. And then... On top of that, you show those location shots with fog rolling in, neon fog on top of that. Just give it to me. The unlimited amounts. I'll take it. Love it. And I love the story. Love the curse. All that stuff. It's a deeply fucked up thing that got Antonio Bay up and running. And they're being punished for it. And I agree. They should be punished for it. So I'm completely on the side with the fog. I'm pro-fog. Uh, the, the one of the things that I thought was interesting is fog rolls in, and with it, ghosts, murderous ghosts, mm. which is wonderful. What else would you want in fog? And like they'll roll up on people's houses and just bang on it like cops, just bang on it like fucking crazy mm. on the front door. No one questions this. They're just like, oh, let me check the door. It's like midnight. And this is happening. How do you not just yell out before you open up the door? Like, who is it? It's midnight. It's a different time. I know, but even in the 80s, I would think that someone's banging on your door like cops. You'd be like, yeah, well, who is it? What do you want? Something. And then there'd be no response. And you'd be like, okay, maybe it's ghosts. Okay. Murderous ghosts. See? You got to think a little bit. These people are just, they're just too trusting in this small town. With its dark, dark history. And, uh, yeah, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Very, very economical in terms of, like, thinking back on it. Like, everything that happens. Like, it's very fast-paced. There's, you know, there's not a whole lot to it. It just, it gets in and gets out. And that's the one thing that I was like, you know, I could have spent a little more time with the fog. I think I think I could have used a little bit more. Hmm. But, I mean, that's not really a knock against it. That's just me wanting more of a good thing, you know? Yeah. I Actually, I've never seen this movie, so. Oh, well, Amazon Prime. Log in there. And I think that's why I never saw it is because I could never, like, find it to watch. Like, I don't think that's how it's been for. Yeah, that's how it's been for me for, like, the last four years, I think. Because I've seen almost all of Carpenter's stuff. But this one's like eluded me. All right, that's the fog. Catch it on Amazon Prime. I'll probably watch that very soon. Uh, I saw Candyman, 
finally, finally caught up with uh, Nia DaCosta's Candyman 2021. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It is a pretty solid horror movie. It is. It does a good job of continuing the Candyman story. I think that it it sort of honors the original. Now, this is actually more of a sequel than I expected. I, I purposefully did not look look up anything about this movie. I wanted to go in as cold as possible, so I didn't really realize that it was. Pretty much just a sequel. Fortunately, I've seen Candy, the original Candyman, enough times to like remember everything and the characters and stuff. Because actually, they bring back characters from the original ones, so that's actually it. It's definitely you don't have to have seen the original one, but it's definitely I would advise it. Or, or you know, if you saw it, refresh yourself with the with it, so you, you know the characters and stuff. One thing that I will say is I knew where this was going from very early on. Like it kind of, it kind of tips its hat a little bit too early. I wish that it kept things a little bit closer to the vest as far as like where, where it was going. And also there's like something that happens like the main, the main character, he gets stung by a bee early on in the movie and it just gets worse and worse and worse. Like it gets infected and stuff. And it's just like, go to the fucking doctor, man. Like get the, like get that. Ch- like when it starts to like crawl up your own, the infection starts to spread up your arm. You need to go to the fucking doctor. And it just, yeah. anytime that happens in movies, it just bothers the shit out of me. Like clearly there's something horrible happening here. You need to go get that checked out. Kills are really good. Uh, I liked Pretty much all of the the kills and stuff and and it was it was a it made me i don't know maybe i wanted it to be a little bit scarier i found the original to be quite scary but i think that that could also be due to the fact that i was young when i saw it oh yeah i didn't mean but also the original the, candy man until a couple of years ago because i was too afraid <laughs> i was just too afraid it's a, it's it a must. pretty scary movie, the original. I, I just I feel like this one, even though it does take place in the same area and in in some like dilapidated buildings and stuff like that, I think that the the griminess, the the dirty aspect of the original one, maybe made it a little bit more scary. But there's there's still some really great stuff in this, so I would recommend checking out Candyman. It is on VOD right now. I saw Royal Jelly. Oh, no. So this, yeah, uh, we talked about this, I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. And how it had, like, you know, it looked like it was kind of this candy man, like, trying to bite off the candy man thing. Did you, did you get an email about this one, too? No, I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, the reason that I watched this is because, supposedly, this was shot in the city where I live currently. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, yeah, so I was like, hey, you know what? I'll check it out. I'll see what's going on with this. I like, you know, I watch a lot of bad horror movies. This was just going to be another one. No big deal. Uh, it's atrocious. It, the thing is, like, you can't, even though it's shot around where I live, you can't tell. Like, it could have been, could have yeah, been shot anywhere. Like, there's just, there's no indicator that it was shot around here. Uh, the whole movie takes place in what appears to be a, like, an abandoned derelict house 
like the house and which yeah. is funny because it's like the whole premise is like that this 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 woman lives in this house and it's just like oh sorry there's like this is clearly like some kind of abandoned house that you guys just found and are I mean I hope that no one lives there it was horrible like the whole place was so run down and disgusting that yeah just anyway the whole premise of this is that there's this a high school girl who is getting bullied even by her stepsister, specifically her stepsister. And she meets up with this like substitute teacher who wears like, you know that she's cool because they introduce her and she's wearing sunglasses inside uh, the school. What? Inside? Yeah. So she's like teaching the class, but she's wearing Ray-Bans. Oh, shit. And, oh, uh, man, that goes against all popular convention. So this teacher takes a liking to this to this girl and helps her like get back at these bullies and in retaliation they bust up her beehive. See this girl's like really into beekeeping and she like freaks out and then she ends up like moving in with this teacher for some reason and they I guess are they want her to like be the new like queen of their little hive. It's so bad. It's so I can't like words can't even describe how bad this is. There's just so many aspects of it that are horrible. The special effects in this, if you want to call them that, are a complete joke. Like they literally there's like a scene where it turns out that they're like they they're sort of like vampires, like they have vampire teeth, but they're like they look like the fucking vampire teeth that you get out of like a gumball machine <laughs> like you know what i'm talking about like the plastic ones oh yeah that's what they look like they they wow. don't the teeth don't match the rest of the teeth so like the color is like way off so you have these like very bright white fangs and then like regular teeth surrounding them and then with one of the characters you could see like the little bar that held them in it's just so bad uh, ridiculous amounts of shaky cam in this movie. I don't know why it was there. I think that they were trying to make it look more like professional, like a real movie, but it didn't didn't work at all. It was just awful. It was just like some somebody was like nervously holding an iPhone, is what it seemed seemed like. Uh, anyway, yeah, don't recommend this at all. Royal Jelly, it sucks. It's just awful. Uh, the last one I'll mention is Escape Room Tournament of Champions. This is the sequel to uh, Escape Room, or just Escape Room. I didn't really like the first one, but I didn't hate it either, and that's kind of how I feel about this one. I kind of like this one a little bit more, actually. I thought that the rooms were better designed, and I liked the the, the puzzles and clues and stuff in this one more than than the first one. And I also like the fact that, so in this one, the premise here is that it's six people who won previous escape room games. So because they made it through, like they're, they're just better at doing this, like these escape rooms and stuff and putting Mm -hmm. the puzzles together and all of that. And it, it shows like all of them are incredibly smart and they're, they're very, uh, 
they're, they're able to think critically and like very put, put, you know, put these clues together and solve these puzzles in a, in a, you know, efficient way. And I appreciated that. Like they didn't make them dumb, but at the end of the day, like the overall, like overarching narrative is just dumb and, and silly. Like all of the, the big story beats feel like an afterthought. And really the focus here is just to put people in these crazy elaborate escape rooms. And that's, that's the fun part. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you enjoyed the first one, then yeah, I would say check, check this one out, but it's, it's like a middle of the road for me and it's all. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. The only one is dear Evan Hansen. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, have you seen the trailer for this, or do you know anything about it? I I know very little, but I I I just don't understand that this is a thing. I saw the like trailer. Probably- I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I was living in New York when this was like all the rage on Broadway, and there was like ads for it everywhere. But I still didn't really know anything about it. So. When the trailer first trailer dropped for this, I watched it and I was like, "Are you kidding me? That's what this movie is about." It's it looks so bad, and then the dude who's playing the main character is the same guy from the play, but he's like forty years old now, so it looks really weird because he's like he doesn't look like a high schooler at all. He's like, oh my god! It just—I don't know. Looks not but even me. that's kind of weird because you said this was huge when you lived in New York. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't too long ago. So even the so the guy in the Broadway play was an old dude too. Um, I mean the the play, I think it's been on Broadway for a, a while, and I don't know if like. Oh, maybe they replaced things. like he was the original one, but maybe they replaced him since then. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. like so. I, I don't know if he's still doing it. I don't know. I don't know anything about the show, and the status of this it. But just, this just—I don't know. What it? Just the whole thing is just so bizarre to me. And then the fact that it's going to be playing in theaters. Yeah, it's just the cherry on top. I think it's going to be on. I think it might be on demand as well but i'm not sure <laughs> frankly i don't Who really care watch this? <laughs> uh all right vod this week let's see starting on the 21st tuesday we have between waves jamie is haunted by her presumed dead lover isaac's interdimensional visits <laughs> Oh, nice. It's a metaphysical love story, Kevin. Incredible. Mm-hmm. We have The Center, Gibbons and Guardians. So okay. This is uh, about Gibbons, I guess. Cool. We have Godspeed, Los Policos. That is a documentary, I believe. We have Tethered. Seems like maybe, maybe a horror movie? It's a sci-fi mystery. Oh, no. On the 22nd, we have Intrusion. On Netflix, when a, when a husband and wife move to a small town, a home invasion leaves the wife traumatized and suspicious that those around her might not be who they seem. Mm. Stars Frida Pinto, 
Logan Marshall Green. On the 24th, Friday, we have Birds of Paradise, and that's going to be on Amazon Prime. We have East of the Mountains, starring Tom Skerritt. We have Solitary. Looks like maybe a thriller. When Isaac wakes up inside a room with no memory of how he got there, he discovers he's a prisoner sent into space to form Earth's first colony on another planet. Wow. There we go. We have Chernobyl, 1986. We have Through... That's not a documentary. It looks like a dramatization of... Chernobyl events. I mean, just just watch the HBO's the fantastic yeah, HBO series. Yeah, why? Well, I guess this is not needed. Capitalize. Yeah, we have through the glass darkly. We have man in the field. It man in the field profiles pioneering artist and chef Jim Denovan. Oh, so there you go. If you're a Jim Denovan fan, this is the the doc for you. Time is Who up. This isn't. Time is up. This is a Bella Thorne vehicle. Vivian is a highly accomplished student with a passion for physics. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Bella mm-hmm. Thorne can carry that that role. I'm not sure who is Bella Thorne. I always hear that name. She's just a she's an actress. Don't didn't you hear about the whole like OnlyFans thing where she created an OnlyFans account? I and- did, and you would think that 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 was the point that I would be like. I should check in and see who Bella Thorne is, but I didn't. I just, I just kept myself abreast of that situation. Yeah, for whatever she's reason. just not. She's a former Disney Channel person, I think. I think that's where she okay. got her start, and she's just not very good. She's just not a very likable person, and mm. she's not a very good actor either unfortunately so and uh, we have apache junction this is a western we have surge uh, oh, venus yeah. is a boy and that looks to be about it for vod on blu-ray this week we have breakdown from 1997 this is remastered this is a remastered version of breakdown starring kurt oh, russell oh. I would hope we have. I, I've been waiting. I, honestly, I've just been waiting for Paramount just, to put out. It just it'd just be funny if like they just started putting out DVDs with no transfer, no nothing, just movies from the eighties, straight and VHS 90s. transfer. <laughs> no work put into it at all. Mm. Speaking of work being put into things, the Clockwork Orange is getting a four K release uh, on oh. the Vestron collector series we have dementia 13 from 1963 coming out okay uh, let's see the longest yard from 2005 we got f9 coming out dead men don't wear plaid from 1982 necessary roughness from 1991 hell yeah i, I love that movie i have not seen that movie since i was a small child and Me either I'm, I'm wondering if i would like nope. it just leave it. Yeah. I, Just leave it. <laughs> I don't know. Might have leave to cover that, that on Saved by the 90s at some point. The Crocodile Dundee trilogy. Uh, let's see. Unbreakables getting a steelbook 4K edition. Uh, looks like more more Ghibli stuff is coming out on steelbook in court, including uh, Porco Rosso and From Up on Poppy Hill. Uh Arrow is releasing The Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch from 1968. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Uh, let's see. Violation is uh, coming out from last year. We got The Vigil. Um, Cruella is coming out. Lady of the Manor that just released like a week ago is coming out. The Beast from 1975 is also getting an Arrow release. Hmm. I'm going to have to look at this one. Uh, what about Criterions? Oh, we got two. First one's Johnny Toe, 2004. Throwdown, Johnny Toe. This is this Criterion. is a, an interesting pick, I think, for Criterion. Yeah, it is, yeah. Especially if you're going Johnny Toe to go... I never Johnny even, I never saw he, this. I never saw Yeah, I, I think this is when I kind of just got away from Johnny Toe for whatever reason. Yeah, I think that when we were into Johnny Toe, was like his earlier. I mean, yeah. it was like like this just missed the cutoff, I think. But yeah, you got that on Criterion, and then you got Love and Basketball from Gina Prince Bythewood from uh, two thousand. So two uh, contemporary picks there for Criterion. Mm, mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I'm definitely gonna try to check out Throwdown because I, I like Johnny Toe a lot. I just I haven't seen that one. Cool. I hear you. All right. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Bye.